I found my niche. I guess that's what it is. And I, I unfortunately, there's some people that don't have access like that. Again, they're they're not worrying about playing sports. They're worrying about feeding their family or or staying alive, whatever that may be. Good everyone. That was Peter Maximo. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio. Interesting conversations with interesting runners. Part two of the ads. The ones you'll hear. Not the one that we just had to sometimes cut. You, sometimes a riff goes well and sometimes you just drive it into the rocks, eh? Mm. And then it catches fire and everyone drowns. Yeah. So it's better just to start again. Just start again. No one will ever know. No one will ever hear. Hey, look. DCR for life is the code that you will use at ultraspire.co.nz that's going to get you 10% off the 600 lumen, which is a lot of lumen. That's a lot of lumens. Waste light. Now, I know that it might be unusual for some of you who've never used a waste light before and are more head torch adjacent than waste light adjacent. But I am here to tell you that that's actually a really good idea for your running, for especially running off-road at night, because they help. They give more of an ambient field. You've got greater depth perception, and if you... you can what, so what is the difference? What is the difference? So if, if you have... I mean, a, I know, obviously, where you're wearing it is one difference. That's right. So yeah. you wear it on your waist, not your head. But if you're higher up, yeah. you have... One of the benefits of a headlamp is you can look around and stuff, but it's more of a, a, a spotlight-looking... Yes. down and you can less depth perception yeah shadows and stuff so if, when you got the waist belt it's much more ambient although 600 lumens is a hell of a lot and it's powerful it's like running with a spotlight yeah mm. and if you if you um with the sun running with the sun running with the your sun waist. like tony stark instead yeah. of being on your chest it's on your waist mm. um yeah and it, it, so it's, it just lights the way and lights a, the way in a better way yeah less spotty right but still really effective and right. if you have if you choose to do both of them, you're pretty much set for life. Because you need the headlight to be able to like, like make people go blind. When you yeah, I sh- like shining them into car yeah, windows yeah, as well. They yeah. really love hi. that, don't they? Hi. Yeah. Or like when you when you catch up before a run and you're like, hi, you got your headlight on. And it's yeah. Like, ah. You've got yeah, that thing in the car park. You've got one hand over your head. You've got one yeah. hand on your head. You've got one hand shaking hands. And yeah. it's all weird. But it's if you've weird. all got life. But if you've got the waist belts, there's no need for that. There's no need. No need for that. And Grant's come around, you know. He, he was all like, DCR sucks, DCR blows, but DCR... For life, that's D C R four, number four, life. L I F E, traditionally. And you get Timson off. It's getting dark, it's getting cold. Yeah, winter is here. Yeah, winter. Let's see, I just did a Game of Thrones reference. Yeah. Well, you, you, were, you were Thrones adjacent. It's actually winter is coming. Ugh. Not winter is here. Right. But the seasons do last Hogwarts? for a long time, and I'm just going to ignore that. A long time in Westeros. Seven years a season. Anyway. Is that out now? Go ahead. It is DCR. It's North Westeros. DCR. <laughs> DCR for life. All right. For life. Dotco.nz. All right. What about this further faster people? Now they're they're sensible people. They don't give us stupid codes like that. They don't give us dumb codes. They just yeah. are. But they're what they did give genuine us. Genuine good people. I just want to talk about those jackets that they've given us. Yeah. The gear is fantastic. The Montane. I can't stress enough. If you're looking for a seam seal jacket, the Montane. Um, minimus stretch ultra jacket. It is a beautiful a- thing. Absolutely. A thing of beauty when and I, utility. When I was running with it on Sunday, yes. I did I did note that I felt like I was at London Fashion Week. 
<laughs> That's because we were having Partly sorry. because I was taking it on and putting it on <coughs> again all the time because it was raining, it was not raining. But also because it just feels... Yeah, they're great. Good. It's a great kit. I feel, I feel good in it. And do you know what else is great? Further faster. Further faster. In Christchurch, because they are a real community hub as well. So not only do you have, not only do they sell great gear, and you know Rocky, Joe, uh, Badger, Dan, the Jules, the team, Jacob, that giant redwood of a man, Jacob Lamont. Jesus, he's big, um, isn't he? Yeah, he's Impressive. big. Impressive. Yeah. Um, not frightening at all. No, the um, his calves needs a permit for those. Uh, but anyway. Gone off topic. Well, they 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 get things done in the community. They've got Jacob Lamont's running... calves. They they would though, eh? Like... They would possibly. Yeah, they've got their own website. No, but further faster. Yeah, they do the runs, the movie nights, the movie nights, info nights. Yeah, hopefully a Dirt Church Radio live show soon. <clears throat> That's the second hint we've dropped. Let's do it. Um, Furtherfaster.co.nz. We love them. Or get into the store. They sponsor us. Go tell Rocky you heard about them from us. And let's roll. Here we go. Episode 43. Episode 43. We're getting into the middle, middle ages. Mm, that's right. We've now done more than a marathon. Kia ora, everyone. We, we made, made it. it. We did. We did. Peter and, Maximo. Yeah, Peter Maximo. So for those of... Sorry to launch right into this, but for those of you who, who might not know uh, Peter Maximo, you might, if I said, he's that really fast dude. He ran for USA and he's got the big beard and likes beer and lives in Colorado. People might go, oh my goodness. But uh, Peter is so much more than that. He is the Outreach and Partnership Specialist uh, for the American Trail Running Association, which he'll go into a little bit, but he's so much more than that. And Mm. this was a sweet and at times pretty heavy, wide-ranging conversation. Bit of science. Yeah. Stem cells. It was amazing. Yeah. We traversed a lot. Yeah. And and, 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 and also... Talked about inclusivity. Absolutely. Clu- I loved it. Inclusivity, demystifying, and um, diversity in trail running and better access to a wide-ranging uh, group of people for trail running, which yeah. we are all about. We're all in favour of that. And, you know, the mycelial network that is Dirt Church Radio, how we sort of hooked this up is when I spoke to Zach Miller, uh, he was in Peter's living room doing it. So thanks, Zach, and thanks, Peter, for what is... A really epic conversation, and we couldn't be happier to get him on. Mm, mm. Hey, we even got to talk about beer. We did. Really yeah, we did. Sorry. Yeah, we'd be stereotypical, but <laughs> <laughs> I have a beard. You talked about beer. Yeah, all right. I've had a beard. Okay, we're not we're not doing very well with diversity. No. Anyway, hey, thanks so much for the response to the chat about with um, Andrew Thompson last week. I've listened to so much drum and bass <laughs> this week. It's really incredible. You're blaming him. <laughs> I'm not blaming him, but I've listened to a lot of it. Like yeah. I was like, I, you know, I remember I had a passing fascination with it, and I used to yeah. go to Herzog and live with Evan Short from Concord Dawn. Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. I've been the 42 year old middle class white dude listening to drum and bass. He reintroduced you through his telly yeah. in the lounge. Yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah, and also we talked about his Give a Little page. Yes, and uh, we chucked that up on Our social medias and Instagram. And heaps of you were really generous and yeah. chipped in. So, uh, so thank you. It's Over a thousand dollars. Yeah. Which is fantastic. So yeah. thank you very much, team. Because I mean it's 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 hard it kind of sits not very well that at some sports you become national champion and you're going. Some sports you become national champion and you're fundraising to get I, yourself there. I remember I um <laughs> I made right. the Auckland team for the road nationals down in fielding. Wow. And um so I had to get myself there. That's yeah. all right. It's okay. I drove down. 
But my big moment was when I got the Auckland tracksuit. Oh, I got the Auckland tracksuit. You know what? Yeah. I had to hand it back on Monday. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, wow. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, hey, um, we, in the show last week too, Yeah. we uh, thanked Andrew for the excellent jingle. Yes. Did you see the email we got? No. Glenn Strong. I've had a great idea. Okay, so maybe great is a relative term, but I think it's, but I think it is a great idea. Could you please make the special jingle that was created by Andrew downloadable from your website so that we, the DCR congregation, can set it as a mobile ringtone? It would become something of a conversation starter if people hear it and want to know where it comes from and or an in-joke between DCR fans. I'd do that. Let's do it. Andrew, if you're listening... Can you... No, we can do that. Oh, we can? We, okay. have, we have technical ability. As long as Andrew's okay with so it. So if you guys want us to do the the, the Hinklehorn <laughs> honking as jingle a as a ringtone, <laughs> we'll make that happen. Let us know. Yeah, so thanks, Glenn. That was a great idea. Hey, we, <sighs> how you been? I've been really well. How have you been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been okay. I've been okay. We had a good run out in the forest on Sunday. We had a really good run yesterday. Yeah. Let's break the fourth wall. It's Monday morning. Uh, and oh, yeah. I said yesterday. Mm. Man. Which was yesterday, but we had a really good run yeah, in the forest. Good yeah. couple of hours. I mean, to be honest, I was I was knackered. Yeah, you've had a big weekend. Man. Yeah, and but it was so good to get out there. Like when the alarm went, if I wasn't coming out with you guys, I would have just hit nah. But I got up. It started to pour with rain. Yeah. So I came back in and got my jacket. Thanks, Montaigne. Thanks, Montaigne. Um, but then proceeded to put it on, put it off, put it on, put it off. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But I, I was I was knackered. But it was so good to get out there with some good mates. With some good sorts. Um, Gareth came along around with us. Gareth Morris. Yeah, yep, from past. episode something. What it was. Yeah, a little while ago. Commonwealth Games silver medalist. Yep. And uh, he he came along and, yeah, we had a good bunch and we ran gravel. I was I was completely knackered, but it was so good to get out there and just have good chats and breathe some good forest, fresh yeah. air. Absolutely. Um, sometimes it's just what you need, isn't it? And I was exactly the same. I mean, we, yeah. you know, you had a massive day. Um, and congratulations on winning your media award, Eugene. Uh, thank you. When they start doing <sighs> awards for best, you know, mental health nurse and a well, I clearly win it. But you, thing, you, you know, I'll I'll take more of it. But yeah. you know, they are what they are. They're just industry things. So thank you. Anyway. No, it, it means uh, a lot. It and if we're being honest, I actually did get a. Uh, I, I this week I did get a compliment. Uh, someone wrote in. Did they? Yeah. Really? And, and said That's thank cool. you. And it went right up. So I did get recognised this week. Nice. So that was really yeah. nice to... Well, congratulations thank to you, Matt. Thank you. Uh, the awards dinner was just me eating a bowl of two-minute noodles in my lounge. But no, it was rugby. <laughs> <laughs> it was rugby <laughs> with the dog. But yeah. I was exactly the same. I had a hell... Like, yeah, you, your Saturday, was Saturday was full noise. Well, and I wouldn't have got out of bed if it wasn't for mm, my friends. And mm. that's what I thought. It wasn't about, I'm going for a run, because yeah. I really didn't want to, but I was like, I'm going to see my friends. I was exactly the same. I was like, I do not want to be going for a run, but I do want to catch up with those guys, so I'm going to go and do it. Anyway, good old time was thank there. you. Hey, I wanted to mention something go we on overlooked then. last week. Go. Mm. The South, I- South Island Ultra on yeah. the West Coast Wilderness Trail on May the 11th. Uh-huh. So there was a beach finish at Hokitika. Yeah. Uh, there were three distances, 100k, 54 and 24. And there was some really interesting results. Yeah, go for it. All right. Well, the top of the 100k had a team come in first, followed by George Henderson, then Helen Barron, Joseph Lill, Mark Beatty, Rachel Bridgewater, Ruth Jeffrey. So for those of you who weren't following along, in other words, if you exclude the team, and it's no disrespect to Gavin Ward and Stu Cotton, who were the team, congratulations, there were three blokes... And three Sheilas. Yeah. In the top six. There you go. There you go. And For then, those of you who don't know, who aren't from Aotearoa, New Zealand. The West Coast. 
a Sheila. They weren't named Sheilas. No, they weren't named Sheila. It's it's, no. it's a vernacular for a, yeah, a lady. A lady. A and in the fifty-four k event, yeah, the top three were Angela Campbell, Emily Oliver, and Christine Taylor. The so sisters are in. The sisters are in, and that's germane to the conversation that we just had with Peter. True, absolutely, because about, you know diversity, diversity and everything mm. like that. So. so, but also that looks like a really interesting event. Yeah, it looks like a super good... I mean, yeah. there's some really amazing events coming out. Runners will experience lakes, reservoirs, rivers, streams, water races, swing bridges, bridges from historic tram lines, a western town... Forestry. Is that a country in western town? Forestry, wetlands, boardwalks, mountains and seas, to name, to just name a few. Do you know what I'd like, though? I don't I'd think like that's a, a few. That's not a few. That's like, named a lot. I, it's not a few. I'd like Sorry, a, just quibbling. a bridge from a non-historic tram line. I'd like a country in western town. Like you run through this. It's called um, what's it? What's the place? <laughs> they have the country in western woods in New Zealand. It's called Hokitika or somewhere like no, that. No, don't. It's called anyway. anywhere on the west coast. Ah, oh, right. So the trail has been described by by many as the most scenic mountain bike ride in New Zealand, and now mm. you can run it. It's supposed to be fast as well. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Next year is May the 9th. And hey, can I just bust in and you can. We had our, and it's all over the interwebs now. We had our uh, debriefing I last we're night. We're going to be breaking this. With we are breaking it with breaking the news. with the Collins Farno um, of Lactic Turkey about the uh, Riverhead backyard relapse. When you say we, you mean the Raymonds of Riverhead, the Little House of Savages mm-hmm. uh, relapse ultra and relay, and we are doing it again. We're stoked with how it went. We thank everyone who was involved, and we felt so privileged. But from the third to the fifth of April. 2020, which is the equinox. Um, entries open 3rd of September 2019, and this is limited to 77 last person standing spaces and 77 teams. Why 77? Why 77? Why not? So, yeah, 3rd of April, entries open, and let's go. Mm. You get, that's that's going to be extraordinary. The, you're going to change your course? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, we're probably going to flatten it out a little bit, but mm. it'll keep the technicality. Like get bulldozers in. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll it'll just be like a. You're going to get a roller, like the Cambridge Velodrome, but for last person standing. So you can yeah. have a roller, high bank things. Yeah, yeah, cool. Everyone has to wear skin suits and those aerodynamic helmets. Did you ever see how really? with and sorry, we're wildly <laughs> digressive, but did you ever see? On Riverhead Rampage, how that April Fool's thing, I put no run, no helmet. Yeah, I took James Kugler's thing. And people still, I still get messages about it. Like, right. this is ridiculous. It's oh, like, no. check the date. Oh, no. Anyway. Hey, by the way, I did have someone come up to me last week and who'd run Riverhead Rampage. Guess what they started talking about? How it wasn't really 21 kilometers, <laughs> it was 23 kilometers. Yeah. yeah. I said, yeah. And so you ran extra, you owe extra. Yeah. You only got charged for 21. <laughs> Haven't you had your invoice yet? And did that shut them up? They did. Cool. Mm. UTA. Yeah. Ultra Trail Australia. A huge it's race. It's so massive, eh? Massive. 7,000 people over the yeah. myriad of distances. In the Blue Mountains. In the Blue Mountains in Sydney. Mm. And uh, I just want to have a quick shout out to yep. a mate, yep. Michael McKinley, who's started out running only recently. Love Michael. Michael. Yeah. yeah. And he he went along and smashed it. So congratulations, bro. That was so awesome. And I'm so proud of you. And I want to shout out to our mate from Australia, Will, yeah. from Turbo Runners in Sydney. Was he there? Yeah, yeah he smashed it. 14, 24, 52. Oh, check him out. Turbo yeah. Looks. Yeah, Will Woolens. Mm. Uh, 
He's he's tall. He's he's. We met him at Kepler. Easy on the eye. He's and he was a dude. Tattooed from head to toe, and yep. he's a real dude. So, shout outs to you, bro. Well yeah, done. well done. And thanks for that playlist you sent me too. I really enjoyed it. Ah, in the hundred K event. Yeah, go for it. There was a clear winner. There was a clear winner. <laughs> he was miles out in front. <coughs> Amy Lamprecht. How do I say that? Lamprecht. 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 Eleven yep. hours, three minutes. Mm. But. What was really interesting was watching what was going on the rest of the podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, we'll come to it very, very soon, very soon. The battle for the rest of the podium was intense. So Angelique Pierre. Yeah. I think she's actually New Caledonia, although I think the results say France. So anyway, uh, she got home in 12.05. But then Spain's Emma Rocker and Fiona Havis. Number second ever Dirt Church Radio Conversation, friend of the show. Friend of the show. So she was just a minute back. Wow. And 12 hours 15. And it sounds like they just had a real ding-dong battle. That's a stacked field, eh? And it's huge, Valley. Yeah, yeah, well done, Fiona, and well done to... Yeah. And <sighs> to, you know, I think she even... She closed fast, I want to say, Fiona. Yeah. Maybe we need to get back on the show. It's, we need to get back on the show. But yeah. they, they fought all the way through Jamison Valley and uh, and the all the way up the Ferber Steps. Oh, mm. For Emma took it for the victory. Well done. Well, for the, the third place. I put victory. I wrote victory, but yeah, then I the realised no, actually victory is the third place. But that's a victory. That's amazing. So the, moving on amazing. to the men's, mm. say that name. No, go on. Uh, Marcin Sverdic of Poland. It's probably not that. I I grew up. My best friend was Polish growing up. Marek Pajinski. Can we get him on the line? Still can't spell his last name. Not Can we get him on the line? Years. Anyway, he was the winner in nine thirty one. But yeah, then again, the rest of the <laughs> nine hours thirty one for a hundred k in the Blue Mountains. The rest of the podium, it was real tight. John O'Loughlin was second in 9.42, and Morden Lindquist was third in 9.43, just a minute back. Oh, my Lord. Now, so it was also really emotional. Mm-hmm. I watched the video. It was emotional for John O'Loughlin because he scored his first ever podium after running every single event since 2008. So he's one of the originals. Wow. Yeah. Way to close it home. Imagine that. Yeah, every time. Yeah. What, and he's been like there or thereabouts every time? No, this is his first podium. Right, so what? But he's not been like oh, isn't that no, four hundredth? No, no, then, no, no. Yeah. But but this is the first time on the podium. Well done, Jono. Yes, yeah, fantastic. And our yeah. friend and confidant <laughs> Lucy Barsol- Bartholomew, Lucy Bartholomew was second in the fifty-kilometer event. So yeah. well done, Lucy. I know you've been kind of you've been pretty open the fact that you've been struggle street, struggle street, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. All right, this one's personal. Yeah. Um, there will be people in your life who first inspired you to start running. And as soon as you finish this podcast, I want you to go and find that person and tell them thank you. Because, you know, you should thank them for what they showed you, for what they gave you, the gift of running. Because at the weekend, I lost the first person I ever knew who ran marathons, my auntie Sydney. She and Uncle Murray would run marathons when I was a kid growing up. And I remember just being in awe and also understanding that okay, this is something that ordinary people do. You don't have to be an elite. You don't have to be, you know, an Olympic champion to run a marathon and to run long. And I also remember them winning heaps of spot prizes, which is possibly why I took up running. Right. Like as a young kid, like, oh, wow, you can do that. They want a spa pool. They want a... <laughs> you <know>? Sorry. <laughs> so maybe that's why I started running. Anyway, wow. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it was about those greater, loftier things. Um I'll just add that the only things I've ever won as spot prizes was hair products, which I know this is a podcast, you can't see me, but suffice to say that doesn't help me very much, and a frying pan, and a pair of shoes. But anyway, um, yeah, so 
luckily, I got the chance in the last couple of weeks to tell Auntie Sydney that she had demystified running for me, that she taught me how to endure that and how to tough things out. So I just want to say thank you to her again. And I hope you're running right now because that's the kind of piece you would want, I'm sure. Man, like, a couple of things. And A, <laughs> keeping it, like winning a spa pool as a spot prize in the 1980s would have been like winning, oh. like in today's money, like you've won a house. <laughs> yeah. You know, who in New Zealand I know. had a had spa, a spa pool. pool? And to win one as a spot prize at a yeah. running event. Just a spot prize. A, step up your game, race directors. <laughs> not that you'll ever win one at Riverhead Rampage because it's not for profit. But You've got a year for the yeah. relapse. But B, I just want to say to Eugene, like, I mean, we went running on the weekend yeah. and you were just, you were very quiet. And I was like, what's up? Because we always have this conversation. I go, Eugene, what's happening? And you go, I'm okay. And I go, well, that doesn't fill me with reassurance, but I'm sorry for your loss, man. Oh, thank and, you, man. Yeah. I mean, it was very, a very quick um, between diagnosis and her passing on Saturday. But we got to spend time with her a couple of weeks ago after Rotorua Marathon. We went across and saw her as a family, and which was great because we got to see her. And I got to say those words to her, to say thank you. And, um, and we talked about running, and she, um, yeah, she talked about my running, which was really special. And then... And then on Saturday, Karen and I went down and saw yeah. her and said goodbye. And it was, you know, she was in a coma by then. But, but, yeah, go and say thank you. Go yeah. and say thank you to those people who inspire you. And also, you, here's the thing: you went after the the. There's that beautiful how it, and we talk again to Peter about this. How running intertwines in the the liminal space in your life. Like you went to see your auntie Sydney after you'd run your first marathon with your son Mark. Yeah. And then and he was there, and, yeah. and then you you know you were professionally recognised on Friday, which is fantastic, well done. And then you got up on Saturday morning, and I know it's not your actual five k PB because that's frightening, but you went and smashed out a parkrun PB at your five k in Hobsonville, and then went and saw her, and then she passed. So it's, it's yeah intertwined. It so is. it is yeah. Thanks, man, dude. Go and say thank you to people. All right, greatest run ever, and celebrating. Yeah. Those runs, it's it's that time of the podcast where we talk about greatest runs ever, and mm. that's a part of the show where we ask you to write in with us and write into us. Tell us about your greatest run ever, and it doesn't have to be that time you got up and ran up that mountain at sunrise or that time you ran that race. We'd love to hear about it, but it's that run that really resonates with you, that really sings. Write into us. We're at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or get at us at our social media. And this is from Katrina Gurnick. Kia ora guys, I've been wanting to send my greatest run ever since the beginning of Dirt Church Radio. Unfortunately, I couldn't think of anything that I could give that little to, or that title to. I can't read. Sure, it could have been my first marathon or taking on the West Coast to 30 kilometer in 2017, which is a very difficult trail run. It's <laughs> so bad, so good. It's my first trail run or even conquering the Tarawera 50k in February this year, but I didn't feel like any of those truly deserved the title. But fear not, gentlemen, I won't waste any more of your time reminiscing about what it could have been, because on the 13th of April 2019, I finally had my greatest run ever. I entered the Waitomo 35km trial run as something to focus on between Tarawera and the Hawke's Bay Marathon. Yeah, so just, just to, we'll just um, 
a little bit of background. So Katrina says she entered the race just to keep her legs ticking over because she had a pretty average build-up and she wanted to focus on finishing inside six hours was her new kind of goal. And you might think, well, six hours for a 35-kilometre race, that doesn't sound too flash, but the Waitomo run, for those of you who don't understand, the Waitomo is a cave network in Mm. New Zealand and this is it's one of the gnarliest uh, runs in the country and it actually goes underground. So, yeah, there we go. So... It says here, this run takes you up hills and in some technical trail of a bush over and under logs before crossing a stream 3.8 kilometres in and getting your first look at the Marakopo Natural Tunnel. There's a, re- there's that, I mean, it's a reason to do the race itself. I entered with four other runners and I was the only one with a headlamp. <laughs> Lead them through the otherwise pitch black tunnel. Yeah. So then she describes a bit more the trail and the race, uh, which you can read in full on Dirt Church radio website yeah yeah because we put them all up we put them all up yeah at this point i need to apologize for my rambling you're not rambling and i feel that in case you haven't picked it up yet i should just elaborate why this was my greatest run ever i did this entire event just living in the moment my phone firmly stayed put in my pocket once i crossed the start line i never once stressed about how long it was taking me i didn't feel any need to push myself or try to beat an unrealistic time i didn't once feel like i needed to prove that i could do this because i knew deep down that i could There was no justifying myself to others or why I ran it like I did because I didn't need to. I laughed, I stumbled, I grimaced and I slipped over but I smiled and chatted my way through the entire race and it felt amazing. I didn't get any photos to share with others of the wonderful things I saw but I have them firmly sketched into my memory along with the smells, the sounds and the emotions that I experienced. I also made it across the finish line in 5 hours 6 minutes, wow, which I'm absolutely stoked with. Paul Charteris and his crew really know how to put on an epic event. Living in the moment and just letting myself be free to experience the wonders around me is why this will and forever be my greatest run ever. Katrina Gurdon from Gordonton. There you go. That's a pretty special. Yeah, I I think that thing of, you know, being in the moment is really important. Yeah, yeah. Especially with running. Yeah. yeah, And again, this comes back to the conversation we've just had and we've just had it with Peter. Mm-hmm. We're in interesting times. It can be quite heavy, life, for lots of reasons. And you need to be aware of what's going on around you, but being present in the moment is a really helpful way to live, especially at the moment, and running really helps that. Yeah, it does, it does, yeah. All right, here we go. Mm. The wrong way, right way, Raymond Way bio. I mean, Peter Maximo, he was... A lifelong love of running and a lifelong affinity for it. He was on the USA trail team for the Ultra uh, Distance Trail World Champs in 2015. He's an innovate athlete and a, as Grant Guys just said, a classically trained mountain runner in the classic sense. Mm-hmm. He lives in Manitou Springs in Colorado and he is the partnership and outreach manager for the USA Trail Runners Association. Runners Association. Uh, which aims to focus on more diversity, more openness, and more access to trail running. He is, uh, as he says himself, he's an aficionado of you know things done right. Um, he loves the mountains. He's injured at the moment, uh, which is a you know we'll talk about that. And he loves a good craft beer. This was an amazing conversation, really, really great, and uh, we're stoked to bring it for you, bring it to you. So without further ado. I always say that. Without further ado, not adieu, Peter Maxima. Radio. All right, kia ora, everyone. We're here 
with Peter Maximo, all the way from Manitou Springs in Colorado. Kia ora, Peter. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, that's really, that's the pleasure is ours, sir. Like, I personally have followed you on social media for a long time and have been intrigued, you know, both by the trial running, um, your association with Innovate, and your uh Profound enthusiasm for craft beer, which is what I share. So it's fine. It's great to finally get to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, good. Like-minded people are always uh, connect well. So, Peter, I wanted to talk to you about your uh, role first off as the um, outreach and partnership specialist with the American Trial Running Association. Can you explain what that is? Well, being a nonprofit, we. If you've been ever been in a nonprofit, you do a little bit of everything because nonprofits aren't glamorous. There's not a lot of money to be had. So um, the title was come up. It came up just because Nancy Hobbs and uh, another colleague, Richard Bolt, they there was only three of us at the time. We now have Tate Pullman, who's a a really good uh, mountain trail ultra runner. He lives out in Utah sometimes in France and other parts of the world. Uh, so I think the title just came up because I needed something to call myself rather than just, you know, peon. <laughs> right. So um, I, I do a little bit of everything and, and we all do a little bit of everything because there's only four of us involved in the organization. And I believe Nancy Hobbs is the only full-time I don't even know if I'd call her employee, but she's the founder and executive director. So I hope she would call herself an employee. Um, but we do everything from go to events like outdoor retailer, the running event, uh, races. We, we've been to Western States 100. We've been out to the North Face 50. Um, and then doing projects like the Western States Trekker Project. Um, which was mapping out the whole Western States 100 course with a Google Street View backpack. Wow. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, and then, we, yeah, last year we just did it with the Pikes Peak Marathon course. And so that's it's a 55-pound pack. It has, I believe, 15 cameras on it. They take one photo each second. So you can imagine how much data that is if you're – doing a hundred mile course or going up a mountain like we do with Pikes Peak. Wow. So projects like that, things that are, are trying to advance trail running to get people involved and stimulated and, and just interested. You know, there's probably a lot of people that couldn't do a hundred mile race or wouldn't attempt to, but it's nice that they could see the course and maybe hope to get there one day so yeah a lot of little things do a lot of little things writing um product testing all of that so the the outreach part of your job uh does that speak to trying to get more people a more a more variety of people involved in trail running yes yeah especially in the last year or two we work closely with Terry Chiplin, who is the founder of the U.S. Trail Running Conference. And our theme this year is diversity and inclusion. And we're realizing that 
the sport traditionally has been a bunch of skinny white males. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm sure that's universal unless you go to, you know, Africa where the skinny black males, but I, I digress. Uh, it's a male oriented sport in, in the U S in particular white males. So, you know, we've been connecting with other types of runners. Um, for example, uh, bar trail mountain race, which I'm involved with here in Manitou Springs, it's halfway up Pikes peak and back down. That is uh, a race that we're trying to encourage women in particular to get involved with because there's a lack of women's participation. It's growing, but it's not growing at the pace that it should. And it, it's, in my opinion, should be comparable. Yeah. Where road, road running, you know, women, I think, are a larger majority of, say, the half marathon, 10K to half marathon distance in the U.S. Right. So and, why, why do you think that is with yeah, trail running? What are the barriers to access for women? And, and you know, like you said, it is, it's, it can be painfully white and polite, can't it? So like, what, what are the barriers to access? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're a minority woman who is overweight, I think it's very difficult because, you know, for one, you may not be in an area where there are trails. I think that's the biggest part. There's a lot of places in the U.S. that do not have trails or have limited access to trails. And then you're not going to be concerned about recreating. You might be more concerned with feeding your family or right. yeah so i think that's that's the big barrier but now that we have people with maybe a little more time and disposable income not that you need much with trail running but just need a good pair of shoes and and uh, a mountain to run up uh, i think it we're seeing an increase in in popularity and then one person i who is a she's a great role model uh myrna Valerio, I don't know if you've heard of her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Mirna, I believe I'm I'm pronouncing her name incorrectly, but um, we've had her at a couple events. We had her at the running event in Austin, Texas, and she was one of the most inspirational and dynamic speakers we had. And if you don't know her, she's uh, she has a blog called Fat Girl Running, so that that will tell you half of it. But she's a uh, She's an African American and she's larger, so it's it's not common to see larger people on the trails or running up mountains. And she's encouraging a lot of women in particular, um, maybe women who are a little larger, to get out there on the trail and not feel self-conscious and not worry about oh, I'm going to be last place. So I think a rise with in a rise of those people, it's it's going to happen naturally. Yeah, You're so getting, ha having people, people that like look you. like you to get out there. You know, like, I see lots of people like me. I'm white, I'm skinny, um, I have a beard that's common in Colorado. But um, yeah, it, it's it's good to see. And I, I think that's that's the type of individual that we are seeking out, especially this year with the U.S. Trail Conference um, and then even visually impaired athletes, that's another category. I have a good friend named Kyle 
Robidu, who um, he's coming out here in a few weeks and doing a, a guided run with Scott Jurek. And then they are going to come out and speak at the Trails in Motion Film Festival that we're hosting. So, and that's another category that you just don't think about. You know, you see some visually impaired runners and road races, but trail running is, it's almost critical to have vision because there's a lot of rocks and roots and otherwise you end up on your face. And Kyle, and I know there's a lot of other, um, Jessica Beecham, she's here in town. She's a visually impaired runner. She ran the Pikes Peak Marathon. Uh, I don't think it was last year. I think it was two years ago. And she didn't make the cutout, but she she finished the race. So, you know, it, categories like that, they just don't think about being involved in the sport. We think skinny, beautiful people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and what... Uh... I mean, as a as 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 a thicker white dude, I mean, you know, <laughs> sort of an outlier. But um, what um, what what drove you to that? I mean, you are you know you have represented the uh, the the US of A and uh, you know the ultra mountain running distance, and and you are an elite runner. You you know you've had a long term uh, sort of engagement with innovate and stuff like that. What drove you to kind of consider this? Because uh, it'd be easy to my, stay in your lane, right? Yeah, consider me being involved in the sport. Well, yeah, what drove you to kind of think about access or to think about, you know, the sort of where to from here in the development of trial running? What, I guess what's your background? And do you have a background in social science or do you have a background in, um, you know, less sort of NGO work? Or uh, My background is in athletics, athletic administration. and I was always... In, interested in that, um, being a very scrawny kid, uh, I, I wanted to play football and baseball and I played some of those. My mother would not let me play football because she said I'd get injured, which was probably true, but you know, all my friends were doing it. Um, it was popular where I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I did play some soccer, so I, I tended to be better at the endurance sports rather than the skill or I don't I don't know how you the gridiron type sport because I just didn't have the size yeah I guess it does come down to a point where you know if you're 6'3 and 220 pounds you're gonna have more of an advantage perhaps than hey yeah definitely I wasn't gonna be a basketball player being you know not that I was too short but five and a half feet in in middle school. Um, Yeah, I just, I think I found, I link it back to having really good physical education teachers who encouraged me to do that and who basically said, well, you're good at this. Why don't you pursue it? And uh, some good clubs where I grew up. I remember being on a youth club called the Running Rebels. And it was a little USA track and field junior Olympic program. And it, it was, I found my niche. I guess that's what it is. And I, I, unfortunately, there's some people that don't have access like that. Again, they're, they're not worrying about playing sports. They're worrying about feeding their family or, or staying alive, whatever that may be. Um, but 
yeah, I think I was just sort of funneled that way. I found something I was good at and I did play baseball my freshman year of high school. And I remember being on in the batting cages and looking out on the track because the, the two fields were close to each other and thinking uh, I should be out there. Right. And that, that was the last year I, I played baseball. So you so, so your yeah. background is in you you have a, a formal sort of education in sports administration. Is that in coaching or Yeah, it was I went to undergraduate in um Whittier, California. It's my hometown, a little tiny school called Whittier College. And yeah, that was in the, the sports field, athletic administration, physical education, recreation. And then I went on to Springfield College in Massachusetts uh, for a degree in athletic administration. And mm. yeah, I, I, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I thought I would, you know, I knew I wanted to be a college level athletic director. And as I got through it, I realized I don't, not that they do this all the time, but I didn't want to be a behind the desk type of person. I wanted to be have freedom for one and then uh, be able to be outside and make my own schedule. So now I cobble together a bunch of stuff, which, which is fun, but I don't make much money. Right. <laughs> I guess you can't take it with you, man. Um, right. And, you know, I heard a really great saying the other day, it was, it was Lazarus Lake. He said, you know, it's not how, how long you live. Not that we don't want to live long. It's how much living you do in that time. Is yeah. what's important, and I, I really, what really struck me is that sense of. You said you had a, you know, you had someone who was almost a gateway figure for you into athletics or into track and field or, or whatever it was as as a good physical education teacher. Yeah, you know, yeah, and that's so that vitally is. and vitally important. You know, like yeah, I, I definitely agree, and unfortunately, definitely in our country. I, I don't know if it's happening elsewhere in the world, but physical <laughs> education is being cut. <laughs> My- Science is being cut. The the things that are necessary. <laughs> you obviously see who, where we are in in uh, our politics. Uh, I think science and physical education are very important. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, I think back to my 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 uh, my high school PE teacher who got actually jailed for importing anabolic steroids from wow. Poland. Yeah, yeah, oh <laughs> he was well, great. Okay. He was awesome. Um, <laughs> But, I didn't have one of those. No, but, but I think I think um, running traditionally in physical education was used as punishment. Absolutely, or, like you yeah. Know, so it sort of embeds running as a negative thing in people's minds and young people's yes. minds. And we need to find ways to make it a positive thing that it's good for you, that it makes you feel good, it gives you those endorphins, it gets you outside, all those sorts of positive things, rather than it being a punishment. Yeah, I. I recall that distinctly i luckily wasn't in sports where i had to do that but you, you see football players you know mm. oh, you did that wrong go run and and then they they loathe running because it's a punishment mm. and that's what they associate it with and to be honest i we all know it running is not easy so it hurts it's and sometimes most of the time your body, your brain says, I don't want to be doing this, but you're right. You do get a lot out of it. Once you're done with your run, you had that endorphin rush. You, you, you earn that craft beer that you're going to drink later, uh, whatever it may be. 
but it's, I would say it's the most efficient type of exercise you can do. You know, I, I can go get on a bike and ride for four hours and that equals 45 minutes of running uphill. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a cyclist before I was a runner and I, I can't believe how, I couldn't believe, I thought I was pretty tough, you know, and I couldn't believe how much different it was when I started trail running rather than, you know, getting around on my single speed. It was, it was, it was like night and day. So what, it's interesting too, like that whole concept of running now is something is quite, in junior education or as children, I mean, I think we should probably follow how other mammals do. They learn to do things by play. Right. And I think we should be learning to, like, like you say, incorporate with education, running games into physical education rather than like we're going to do cross country so this is how you learn you run around the field you know like mm-hmm. that kind of thing is important what was your start yeah. where did you you know you were good at athletics you were good at track and field or you know and and running when did you get into trail running and ultra distance running well i remember there's two distinct memories from middle school and elementary school the first one was elementary school where i ran we had a field day, so it was over several days, and each period you would compete with your, your the people in your period. And I ran the mile. There was this rugged, rudimentary, burned circle in our field, and we ran a mile. I think we had to run five or six laps around this to equal one mile. And I remember I beat everyone in the class. Uh, I ran... I believe it was uh, about 7.22 for the mile, and this was fifth grade. And I was really happy with myself. You know, you just, the feeling of accomplishment. And then there was another guy named Damon Tristan. I still remember his name. (laughs) (laughs) He was a great athlete. He went on um, to play high school football and uh, be MVP and all that. But, um, he ran one second faster than me in another period. And that's when I realized that I was really competitive, you know, and it it could have been something else that I was competitive in, but it was, yeah, one second. And I thought I could have done that if I had known. And, and then I ran in middle school, we had a 25 mile club where we'd run during our PE class. And, you know, however many laps you could do, we counted the amount of mileage. And if you got it in, in a semester, then you'd be part of this 25 mile club. So again, that goes back to the PE teachers. I don't know if that was set up through them. I'm assuming it was because we had, I had PE teachers that were runners themselves. And I remember them taking me to do my first 5K. It was the LA 5K in conjunction with the LA Marathon. And it was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And, uh, but I found that I was good at it. So when you find something you're good at, at you want to pursue it. I mean, that's ultimately that's the goal. You don't want to do something that you're not good at. Maybe you want to make yourself better, but usually we just build on our. Yeah, build on that strength. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, those those were specific memories that I recall. And then 
as as you do you know if you're young and you have an ego i thought oh, i i can do this in high school i'm good at this and and then i got humbled but stuck with it and you know ended up being undefeated in cross country my senior year i had a a teammate that i was always overshadowed by bernard maitai still a good friend uh he came over from kenya at in 8th grade and didn't know english and um you know, just didn't fit in well. And he, he was one of the fastest, uh, two milers in the country. I remember wow. he was a year, year ahead of me. So I was always in his shadow, but I also think he helped me become a better runner because I wasn't leading every workout. I wasn't winning every race. And therefore when you're not doing that, you want to be that person. So you're working harder. And, um, I actually just saw Bernard, and his family has a young daughter uh, out in Boston. I went there for the Boston Marathon with uh, my wife, Nora. And we met with him, had dinner. And I was just thinking, he, you know, he's a, he's a, I don't know if you'd say refugee. He came over because of some turmoil. I think his mother is still back in Kenya. And I thought, wow, this is the real American dream. Like he, he's a pretty, very stable, you know, he works in the financial industry in Boston. Uh, he has a family now and that's, that's sort of the American dream. Like, you know, it, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to say it, but yeah. Um, obviously recent in recent, the few years, last few years, um, there's been some turmoil with who is American and, you know, um, immigrants and things like that. And it, I don't know, it, it just made me think about that yeah. because I, of the dysfunction we're going through right now. And I guess, I mean, I don't know, I stand with, our, <laughs> I stand with our prime minister and I, I don't say this in any pejorative sense at all, but I don't understand America. Just, my, just like other people might not understand New Zealand or Aotearoa or whatever. But I do know, like one of the things I do know is you've got a really cool, uh, your motto, eh? E pluribus unum, out of many become yeah. one. That's yeah. amazing. You know, I, and in New Zealand too, like we're a very young country. You know, there's less than 5 million of us, but I'm but you do have more sheep there than you do people, right? We do. Like, We've got more everything <laughs> than we do people, dude. <laughs> um, like, That's what I remember from being there. Craft breweries. Craft breweries yeah. than we do people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's the same. I'm a first-generation, yeah, no, second-generation immigrant. No, first-generation immigrant. I immigrated here uh, as a child. Um, Eugene, you probably uh, pretty died I'm, in the wall. You're, yeah, but, I'm about four, three but, or four. But, you know, there's... But, yeah, yeah, but you, if, it's, yeah... It, we all came from somewhere to and get that, here. That diverse, and I think you're right, that diversity both in life, both in art, in science, like you said, in Socratic learning, in healthcare, in trail Ooh. running, in food, it all adds up to, you know, you don't want to be eating mashed potato forever. Right. Even if mashed potato is delicious, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, I mean, I think, too, just think of what um, Bernard, you know, he's, he's, you know, made his way in in life and got his family, but the impact it's had on you. I mean, and, and the fact that you recognize that, that, that those things he did for you in terms of he was somebody you looked up to, he was someone you trained against, and, you know, you would, you, you know, it's, it's probably not going too far to say you wouldn't be the person you are without his impact on you. Yeah. And maybe I, 
I think it's safe to say I wouldn't be the runner I am. Yeah. Because I yeah, wasn't of course. chasing Sorry. him and thinking, oh, I want to be conference champion or I want to do this and that. And I, you know, if I did do really well, I was second. Yeah. 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 But yeah, uh, yeah it's, um, again, like I said, he, he's remained a close friend and it, it just made me think about that. Just yeah. being around him like, oh, wow, he's doing pretty well. He, he doesn't run as much these days, but I every time I talk to him, you know, I, I've followed the path of less career, more running, more traveling the world, more just um, messing around. And um, I think he sort of envies that, too. He sees me and he's motivated to start running. He's like, I'm going to start training again. And so I think we both uh, uh, drive each other. You need to challenge him to a two-mile smackdown. Like, yeah, give, you give need him six to... months or twelve months or something. Yeah, have, yeah. have a have a replay of one of those high school. <laughs> yeah, I, track I, meets. I will. I'll, I'll let him know. Um, and I've been injured for the last. Oh, it's going on two and a half years now. So my running has not been good, or has been pretty non-existent. My racing definitely has. What's What's the injury? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, it was uh, some cartilage damage in the knee, uh, a de- cartilage defect in the, yeah. on the articular cartilage, and uh, I'm not sure. I can pinpoint when it started. I don't. There's no. I didn't fall. I didn't remember injuring myself. But I did the Pikes Peak ascent and marathon double here, wow. right, right down the street. And uh, yeah, the ascent is Saturday. That's thirteen point. Three two miles, seventy eight hundred fifteen vertical feet of gain, and oh. then I went and did it the next day. But the next day you come down, you do a full marathon. Huh. So, I think I mean I had decent races both days, and you know finished and thought, oh that, you know I didn't kill myself and fall. So, but that's when my knee started swelling, and it continued to swell for the next few months and then i realized i had a bone bruise because of the defect in in the cartilage and ran through it for another year year and a half and then finally had surgery in september of last year okay and, wow. well um, uh, it's i mean these things come along don't they and what's interesting too is that that didn't trigger you walking away from running you're, you're still involved Oh, I have to be. Yeah, it's all. That's only a thing I know. (laughs) (laughs) If I walked away, I wouldn't have any income. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have a lot of my friends that I have. I. Yeah, I. It's it's um it's been a frustrating time, and I guess it's uh, with that frustration, and you know, like certainly I've never been injured for that long, but we, everyone copes with injury and, and certainly everyone generally runs through injury first. Hey, if it's, but running becomes, yeah. I, I guess it's not something you do. It's something you are. Hey, it fills the liminal space in your life. It just, it, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, your connective tissue, Hey, with your existence. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, that's, that's why people know me. Um, you know, that's, I feel like, I don't know, it's it's difficult to explain it. 
I have some notoriety and I think that was gained through running. Right. You know, mm. I, I think I, the, I have some friends that know me be, maybe before, well, not before running. My mother's maybe the only one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I just, I feel like I've gained something through that. I'm not doing it anymore. I feel like I'm letting myself down and letting others down because I'm not doing that. But I also have that platform and 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 need to use it properly. Right. Mm. Mm. And I, I remember when I, I spoke to Zach, who was in your house uh, when we talked. Um, right. Being you know, it. he talked about that so that sense of you know with sponsorship and with with relationships that 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 sense of that pressure is probably self. Um, you bought on by yourself because of your nature. But I mean, you're not stepping away from the values you're not stepping away from the you know and, and certainly you you appear to be pretty active you're getting out on that what's that the elliptigo bike you... yeah it's the elliptigo m sub so it's a the mountain stand-up bike that? yeah because i i mean dean carnesis is the only other person i know who's ever sort of endorsed that it, it, does that help with your knees or well is... it's it's basically the same act of running but without the pounding so, yeah right, and yeah. Um, so it's basically Zach a bike without a seat. Is that right? that? It's like elliptical on wheels, pretty much. Right, exactly. But like a, yeah, but so this there's, is there's the no seat, route. is there? You're sort of up, standing up all the time. Or is it a blast? I mean, you and Zach look like you had pretty good time on it. Yeah, yeah, and we're both still riding them. Um, the uh, elliptical people came out, and uh, a friend Bryce came out and said, "You know, can we have a demo?" Um, here are a few bikes that you can test out and Zach and I being in similar position, um, him just having had some PRP injections. We, we've been taking them out. He took one up to bar camp. So he has one up halfway up the mountain right now. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's very similar to running. We were both biking as well before we, we got these just to stay active. I can, I can run. I, I don't think he's he was running for a while. It's not pleasant when I run, but I can do that. But I need to do something else to, one, satiate my appetite to not go crazy. Um, yeah. Just to calm myself down um, and also to stay fit. And so we were both riding the bikes. And I just feel like biking, especially around here with we have a lot of mountains and up or down. So you're, you go for an hour ride and you're working hard 30, 30 minutes out of that hour because yeah, right. you're coming down and I don't know, I've gotten so far as just to hold the brakes when I'm going downhill to, and pedaling because I'm like, well, I, my main point in doing this is to keep my heart rate up. And if that's not happening, then yeah. Speed is one thing, but oh, so, um, so I'm just watching a video here on your on your Instagram of Zach Miller riding the elliptigo with his Cannondale road bike, yeah, strapped across his back. So he- yeah, yeah. Well, he had to get it home somehow because we we borrowed this bike and uh, we were we were across town and and we were trying to decide like how are we going to come get the bike. Like, you can drive your truck back here. And he said, well, let me see if I can put it on my pack. 
So, uh, yeah, that's just how uh, Zach is. He's very industrious. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. So, what, I mean, in terms of your recovery, how, you know, are, are things progressing forward? It doesn't feel like it, no. I mean, I maybe that's just in my head, but the surgery was seven months, uh, almost eight months ago now, eight months in a week. And so I, I guess surgery, it was surgery, but it was fairly minor. Basically, they just went in, cleaned some cartilage that was just frayed and then injected stem cells. So I had bone marrow stem cells put in. Wow. I was told that could be six months, could be eight months, could be a year before you see results. So I'm right on in the middle of it should be working by now. But um, there's also a lot of other things that come with that. Um, lacking fitness, atrophy of that leg, um, atrophy of the muscles of that leg. So I don't know if it's just that I'm out of shape and um, my my muscles have atrophied, that I, I'm not progressing, or maybe just the, the, the stem cells haven't do, done what they're supposed to do. I, I don't know. What, maybe what are they supposed to do? Head. I, I just... I, I keep telling myself, well, it's not working, it's not working. And then my rational side says, well, it, this is the time where it should start, uh, you should start seeing the benefits and mm. maybe I need to strengthen more so, so that what, leg. What's supposed to happen? Are they, are they supposed to regenerate? Regenerate cartilage, yeah. Cartilage, wow. I think that's for that's why the the period is so long because cartilage is does not regenerate on its own yeah. there's no blood flow to that area so even if you had it in something like soft tissue um it band or achilles especially if you had it in a place that had high blood flow like a quadricep or a hamstring i think that it would heal quickly i i really believe in the stem cell technology i think it's going to be the future of of injuries and solving a lot of things that um that yeah but the medical industries don't want that pharmaceuticals yeah. they they want to sell their pill for 50 dollars a pill rather than inject your own um stem cells back in there and you're yeah. fine in six months so so did, the, that, did that they the money thing did they harvest the stem cells from from yourself from your bone marrow or something or yes. where did the stem cells come from yeah, from my from my bone marrow. Wow, wow. So when I was under, they went in and they they said, uh, you probably don't if you're squeamish, you don't want to hear this. And I was like, No, I don't mind. So they went in through the, the back of the um my hip bone essentially and um it with iliac crest maybe and yeah. they sort of hammer in there. They said yeah, they yeah, a little mallet. Yeah. And then they suck up a bunch of uh bone marrow. And then while I'm under, they centrifuge it and then re-inject it before I come out. Wow. Love it. So that, wow. that all happened within 45 minutes, an hour. And the U.S., unfortunately, is behind on this medical technology, whereas Italy and Germany, Sweden, Norway, they're, you know, they, they have, they don't have this huge restrictions. Um, our healthcare does not cover it yet. Right. Uh, insurance does not cover it so that's all out of pocket right um and 
I mean, there's a lot of ultra runners. If you follow a lot of U.S. ultra runners, that's why they're going to to Europe or Sweden or somewhere to get these procedures where it's like, it shouldn't cost $80,000. I can go take a trip and um, get the procedure done for 10000 you know, and then right. I got to go to yeah. Europe. So uh, we're, you know, again, that comes down to greed and money. Um, it, it it will be the future, though. There's, It's inevitable. Oh, it's incredible the work that they're doing in terms of also with Parkinson's, in terms of like the, you know, they're injecting stem cells into people's brains for like neuroplasticity and stuff like that. It's, yeah. uh, you know. It's, and then the, even I just saw a recent <coughs> study with uh, just has to do with bursts of light with uh, people with Alzheimer's and mm. dementia. Um, yeah. That, again, our, our, we should be advancing very quickly, but there's people that aren't going to profit off of it. So that's why. Yeah. We, and we, I, I, I mean, the U.S. in particular, but just human beings in general. There's, there's always ulterior motives for some people. <laughs> Look, I mean, I think we're at a very interesting point in history and, and, you know, certainly, you know, here in sleepy little old New Zealand, I mean, you know, I mean, you've probably heard we've, you know, had our, had the modern world encroach on us very recently in the worst yeah. way possible. And, um, you know, there yeah. are, there are people out there who don't care about or, or appear to put kind of money over people or money over, you know advancements but it's an exciting time in history and, and I, I mean i mean i guess i look to somewhere like colorado which is at one at, at in one sense quite a conservative rural place yeah but the other uh, hand in, in pockets, you, yeah. but the, on the other hand you've got this amazing kind of you know this this liberal mindset about it comes down to is it is it more about people's freedom that's important where you come from do you think I'm just trying to understand it, you know, because you got Colorado, in Colorado is, in general. You mean, yeah. Uh, well, Colorado has it, back what eight, twelve years ago now. It used to be a red state, red meaning is Republican, Republican leaning, yeah. and now it's become blue slash purple. You know, sort of in between. We have some very Colorado Springs, for example. It's very conservative because there's a lot of religious institutions. And then a lot of military installations. And so that obviously is going to bring uh, a concentration of not necessarily, but um, more conservative people. Sure. Um, and then where I live in Manitou Springs is polar opposite. It's like Woodstock here. where <laughs> There's a lot of hippies. And, um, you know, we had our first pot uh, recreational marijuana um, store i think in the country i want to say wow. was here in manitou springs and it's not something i'm into but after seeing how much tax revenue comes out of that it's like why not you know well, if, look, if people we, want to do that recreationally that's that's free will right that's that's freedom that's being able to choose and i i mean it's interesting we're, we're looking at our first referendum on uh recreational marijuana use or legalization or decriminalization next year and certainly in new zealand it's not a class like in federally in the u.s it's a it's like a class a drug right so right but i guess the other thing with weed it's is, still you know, a federal it's still a federal crime to sell yeah. and it's a marijuana yeah but i mean if you look at it from a healthcare issue you know like if if you are you know the one thing that bans uh, the one thing that kind of looks at 
or prohibits rehabilitation is the, is the you know the illegality of the substance that you're using it redistributes you know we we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars cops pulling out pot plants up north on the helicopter you know where they could be going after you know methamphetamine suppliers or or, or anything like that so or or maybe the commonly used opioid which is prescribed over prescribed yeah and right is, is an epidemic in the u.s yeah some oh, that's, fr- that's frightening hey yeah. the fentanyl the fentanyl yeah. and yeah and that's something like that. that's like given out by doctors they're just giving it out like candy it's you know and then people complain about a plant it's like come on yeah. really where mm. where where your your uh, thoughts on that? Mm. I, I I guess it's that thing about it, it and it, it talks to about who you know, and if you step away and step away from judgment, you know, it's that classic thing. We all probably grew up like bad people use drugs, good people don't use drugs, right? right? And then you get into, I mean, I'm a mental health nurse, man. Like I hang out with people who are substance dependent all the right. time. You know, that's my the people it's my people right yeah. and um you you work out that actually it's people use drugs it's more complex than that it's much yeah. more complex it's much mm. more light and shade and, and and i guess that's the that's the beauty of sort of what makes us human beings really i, I right. love that part of it yeah and, i don't i don't think that all drugs are bad i mean obviously there's some very detrimental drugs the yeah. hardcore street drugs it's you know that's probably specifically for recreation and to to get high or whatever level you want to get to. And, um, but yeah, there, there's also some very useful ones, but I think also legal, legal ones like uh, fentanyl, which are, yeah, you know, not good, which let's talk about alcohol. Yeah. But I think it also comes down to privilege. It's like Mm. what you talked about, uh, at the start, you know, like say, whereas me and you might, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go to the liquor store and drop, you know, so 15 New Zealand dollars on a really nice bottle of craft beer and yeah, I can go home it. and sit and sip that and feel a bit, you know, special and, and anti-privileged versus someone who's using, say, synthetic cannabis or whatever. It comes down to privilege and it comes right. down to disposable income. And, and, and you look at and, and that delineation and you're talking about trail running too. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really white and polite and here we are. You know, we have the disposable income to, you know, buy X brand of shoe or Y brand of shoe or go to this race and do this thing. And, and you know, it, it's – and we've kind of, I think, in our culture, there's this thing of, you know, wow, I'm so crazy to do this or I'm so I'm so out of the box to run 100 mile or whatever it is. I love what your not-for-profit is doing because what you're actually saying is this is something that you do from a point of privilege. It's a really adaptive, natural thing to do, and let's make it accessible to everyone. Yeah, it is accessible to everyone. It 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 should be anyway, because, like I said, it you need a pair of shoes, you need a good pair of shoes, and you need somewhere to run, and yeah, yeah. that's different than buying a whole kit of hockey gear or buying baseball equipment or um, cycling. Cycling, yeah. Holy hell! So expensive. I started to get into that, and I, I'm like, no way! I'm this is too rich for my blood. Yeah, yeah, for real. What, what's where do you see the national parks in the states? I mean, where does it stand in terms of access? In terms of where are you with that? Does it differ state by state, or how does it work? Is it easy for people to get out and 
you know, it, it differs state by state. And recently we've gone backward because of who's in office. Um, they care more about making money and letting oil companies buy that land and drill for oil rather than right. keeping it preserved as it was previous, like the previous president. Um, yeah, we're going backward in that sense, um, but it does vary state to state. For example, I don't know if you're familiar with the running event, or sorry, outdoor retailer. Um, uh, yeah, it's the it, biggest cool outdoor <laughs> retail shop and or, or convention in the world, I would say. And it was in Utah for a number of years, and the Utah governor. Um, was a Republican started aligning with um, selling off the land, started aligning with the, the current politics. And um, the outdoor industry said, well, there's one company in particular, which is Patagonia said, right. Wait, 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 no, this, this is our industry. You can't be selling it to oil companies. We need this because there's no getting this back once it's gone. And, and I applaud Patagonia. I think that was an amazing decision. And they said, we are not coming if, if you, you continue to do this. And I think they actually met with the governor. He didn't budge. And so they're like, we're pulling out. And then a lot of other larger companies started following suit. And outdoor re retailers said, well, we need to do something. So Colorado, do you want to host it? <laughs> governor said yeah we're all about the public lands here so they came to colorado it's been in denver for the last two years and it's been amazing and you know unfortunately utah because they made that decision and i saw this stat um we did a march when we were in utah onto the capitol everyone from outdoor retailer they they shut the show down everyone marched uh, out to the Capitol and and basically talked about public lands and Bears Ears. That's when Bears Ears uh, National um, Park was um, being, and I, I think it's it's since um, been sold off, divided up. Um, Grand Escalante Staircase. I think there's some oil companies there now. And um, where is that? That's in Utah. Yeah, and that was part of the big thing. That Grand Escalante Escalante Staircase is a national monument. I want to say I don't think it's a national park, but it was being sold off to oil companies to drill on. And so we went and, and spoke. Uh, you know, went and just marched on this Capitol, and there's a lot of speeches. And I saw someone with a sign that said. <gasps> Utah is missing out on $48 million in revenue because the governor didn't, didn't work with outdoor retailer. I and that money has come to Colorado now. Yeah. That's hotel rooms, that's food, that's convention center. That's, you know, it's the outdoor industry that, and, and Colorado realizes that I believe Hickenlooper, John Hickenlooper was the governor at the time. And he's like, yeah, we're we're into the public lands here. We th that's what our our state and our industry is based on. So yes, please come here. We'll we'll do well for the the show. So, so I'm just looking at Bryce Canyon here. We've just pulled it up. 
looking at the es- Grand Escalante staircase, and mm-hmm. um, uh, that's pretty unfair. I don't know. It's pretty unfathomable. Yeah, <laughs> there are yeah. dudes out there now. Kind of, I'm sure they're going to mess it up. But oh man, mm-hmm. they definitely are. And again, they don't care. They care about short term. Yeah, but I guess money. that's the power that I mean. You're right. That's the power that we have. Both as sort of you know activists in terms of like let's get out not not like let's get into the streets but doing stuff like marching, but also and I think companies like Patagonia and you know Zach was talking about the North Face and stuff like that mm-hmm. are kind of leading the charge with that both in terms of their kind of ideological perspective but their financial cloud as well like forty eight million US dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, that is. <laughs> but but you know what. Um, you know, it was probably more money was those oil companies. So yeah. that that's totally understandable. You know, they're they're in the billions. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. They're, they're the state was probably making much more from sales of that land, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it all comes down to money, you know and. Not all of it, but most of the time, unfortunately, yeah. that's how decisions are made. I mean, that's that's what's happening in the kind of the the national parks and so on. But what's what's happening within the states around sort of local trails and and trying to get people, you know, sort of trails closer to home for people so that they can experience those that that thrill of running off road yeah. closer well, to home and maybe get get started that way. Well, again, we here in where I am in this Manitou Springs, uh, Pikes Peak region, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we have the best trails in the world because we have technical stuff. You can get up, you can climb 4,000 feet in a matter of three miles here up to right. a, a peak called Cameron Cone. Um, you can have the buttery single track, which we have miles and miles of and um, you can find anything and, and the trails are just growing here. We have, uh, yeah. we have a great, uh, group, a lot of groups in town. We have, uh, the Rocky mountain field Institute there and we work with them through the bar trail mountain race, um, to upkeep, maintain, and not necessarily build new trails, but there has been some trail building, um, recently. Uh, but we have so many that, we should probably maintain before we build new ones. I think right, that yeah. that should be the order of it. Like recycling, yeah. it shouldn't be recycle, then reduce. It should be, um, let's reduce first and then mm. reuse and then recycle. Mm. It should be in that order. Yeah. Because in terms of, of that whole goal of getting more diversity, getting more people involved, I think, you know, that getting people who aren't used to running, people who, who for running it's a thing about speed or you know running a fast mile like they used to at high school or whatever uh, or something they couldn't achieve but getting them on the trails shows them a new style of running that you don't have to be fast and agile you can walk the hills <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great introduction isn't it it is yeah that it reminds me of um, a conversation i had just two nights ago we had uh, Gina Lacrezzi from Trail Sisters she's a founder an owner of Trail Sisters, she came in for a talk um, uh, about women in trail running. 
And I had a conversation with uh, someone who attended, and I don't recall her name. Uh, I'm terrible with names, but she said, I come from a road background, and someone sort of, you know, was in our conversation and said, oh, she's really fast. And I, I didn't know her, um, but she said, I'm understanding why people do it now. I'm, I've always been this person who's prescribed to like, oh, I need to hit a certain time. I need a certain amount of miles. And she said, since I've been here, I've lived here for a year. I don't need to worry about that. I go out on the trails yeah. and, and it's, it's beautiful. And I don't need to stress about how fast my pace is. And, you know, not all the time, obviously, if you're training for something on the trails, you probably want to do some, some speed, but it, it's also being out and in nature and enjoying what you're doing, even if you're suffering while you're doing it. Um, whereas road running, you're just suffering and breathing in exhaust, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cars. Yeah. There's no redeeming quality there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think that's crucial to getting more people involved is showing them that kind of running as opposed to the, yeah, trying to just black, hurt yourself punish yourself on the roads but there is yeah. something beautiful like and i guess we you know like eugene and i like a bit of background there like if you think about us say in a musical sense like eugene you're essentially you're a classically trained musician you can bang out you're you're you've been running your whole life you can bang out you know he's the man's a metronome you know he is actually a metronome okay. and because he has that classic <laughs> classic running you know so you're saying yeah. he has high, high cadence He's great, it, but oh, he's, no, no, it, not that sense. I mean, I'm not. I, I, I mean, I, just a bit of background. I, I've always, I've run as long as I can remember. Like you said, when you said your your mother might be the only person who knows you before you ran. Yeah. I think that's about the same for me. But I was never good at it. I was never oh, ever good at it. I just off. loved it. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I, when you were running through the names of of friends at high school and school who used to always beat you, I was the same. I was always, you know, Anthony Lipscomb beat me every time, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know. It's yeah, just, I could rattle off names of people who always beat me, huh? but I loved it, and yeah, I, yeah. I loved it, and I, and you know, when you when I brought up about running as punishment, secretly I would always love it. <laughs> well, like, see, but that was me. Woo-hoo. That was the fat kid who was punished to run, run. You know, like right. They'd but, be like, you know, go and run to the tree and back, and be like, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, but I've, but I know that I'm an outlier. Yeah, I know that that's unusual. Um, but that's also a learned thing, right? It, you yeah. enjoyed it because you enjoyed it. If you're yeah. told all the time, this is punishment, go do it. In your head, yeah. it's a negative connotation. So exactly. you don't want yeah. to do it. Yeah. But you secretly liked it. So yeah. It sounds like you you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> but I do love that beauty of, you know, like yeah. for me coming from a uh coming to the trails and then, you know, like and we, we talk about this. I mean, like if it came down to a trail race, I'd win. If it You'd came win. down to a yeah, trail absolutely. road yeah. race, Eugene would destroy me but i love that kind of discipline of running on the road as well you know that that sense of the uh, almost arbitrariness of it or or whatever it is i mean i think that for me one of the i think it's just running running yeah actually it's just running it's movement it's yeah and and you find what you do i mean like i i love on saturday i went to run a a park run i don't know if you know about park run but it's a yeah yeah so and i love i love what that organization is because it is all about inclusive inclusiveness they mm-hmm. they want you to come along it's free it doesn't cost you anything they're you know they're, they try and make them as close to people as possible they put them in parks 
they encourage you to go and have a coffee afterwards. Um, the the average time is 29 minutes of a park run anywhere around the world. And their okay. aim is to make that slower because that means that more people are becoming involved. Right. And, you know, but, but, but you can go along as a runner and you can try and blat out. There was a guy who ran 16 minutes on Saturday, you know, it's, it is what it is. But I, I think, yeah, as a community, as a running community, we just need to find those ways of demystifying running, making it <coughs> enjoyable and making it scalable. Yeah. yeah. So that it's whatever you make of it. Yeah. And I, I think that starts with our youth. I, Absolutely. Was, um, I was just out. Um, Alex Nichols just had a birthday and, we were out and talking about um, women's running, the Trail Sisters, and um, he has a a friend, and uh, he used to coach her. She is a school record at Colorado College, and she's working with girls on the run. Katie is, and um, and I've volunteered there when I lived in Vermont, and he, Alex said that might be the most single most important thing for young girls to get involved with it in terms of running mm. because they're being taught like running yes running is difficult but um these are the benefits of it you feel better you look better you you um you get to interact with with your peers um whereas if you're told no it's a you're being punished for not doing this go and run Again, it, it comes back to the negative connotation of it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think it's just from a young age we need to be told, um, or we need to be shown that it can be fun, even though it's you're working hard. The benefit you get from it is more than worth it. Mm, you mm. know, the, the the physical, the emotional, the 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 mental benefits from it. So I, I would I would agree with him. I would say that you know girls on the run in particular for for young girls and um i was coaching a youth group here in town called the coco pelli kids with uh, i don't know if you know the name lisa rainsberger no she, she uh was the last boston u.s women's boston marathon champion before desi won it last mm-hmm, year mm-hmm, yep um you know and she had been on a streak of what <laughs> 30 years or something yeah, five yeah. Years until Desi won it. Um, but I, we have the same, same philosophy is we are working hard and, and these are kids that are highly motivated um, that want to run. And sometimes we had to reel them in and say, no, you're going to take tomorrow off because uh, yeah, you're 12 years old and you don't need to run 40 miles in a week. You, you need to, um, we'll do these workouts um, on the days we meet. Tuesday, Thursday, but then you need to be a, a kid. You need yeah. to go and play, go ride a bike. Um, so that's also important. I've seen way too many times that parents in particular are a little overzealous and yeah. maybe they were really good athletes themselves that they're pushing these kids from a young age. Yeah. Nine, you don't want to peak in high school. Out of 10, those kids burn out by the time they get to high school or college. They're Fully. just, mm. they don't like it because it, it's too much pressure and you, mm. you don't, you're not able to deal with pressure from when you're young as well, well as you are when you're an adult. If you want to make your kids hate something you love, talk about it, you know? Right. <laughs> like, 
I, I just what you were talking about the the sort of inspirational thing. I, I go back to you know regular listeners would be like, can you stop banging on about the relapse? But we just ran that last person standing event, you know, and yeah. Dr. Katie Wright won it. And the two families who put the event on, you know, the Collins family, they have three girls. I have two daughters and a son. And my girls in particular, you could see these light bulbs coming on or just this. And it wasn't just Katie who won, but all these incredible people, incredible women who were, out doing this stuff and it's that sense of like you said it's sort of it's that demystification of and and this is no you couldn't pick Eugene and I out of a lineup but Katie you know she's a very she looks fit but she's not doesn't look like Cara Goucher or someone like that do you know what I mean nor has that yeah. kind of bearing right yeah no I'm looking and, at your website right now and um yeah she looks like the the normal everyday runner who'd run a trail race yeah she doesn't look elite i guess and again yeah. this is a perception yeah. that we've been told like that's right yeah. real skinny yeah. you know bun huggers um yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah yet she you know she came in second behind camille heron at the title with 100k she uh, 100 miles she um you know fourth at northburn third and at northburn yeah and she knocked out 200 kilometers yeah and, and beat everyone wow. oh and she ran around wales <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah. on a whim, but just as a role model. I mean, I, and I, I'm kind of always cautious of using those words, but no, me but, too. But um, you know, someone who can kind of lead the way and show, hey, it is possible to do this, and you don't have to look a certain way or be a certain way to achieve magnificent things and or achieve what you want to. And it's actually nice too, I guess, from a, from the perspective of a man. You know, like in the time and period where we where I came up into trail running or I came up into running. You know, looking at like. Who are the people you're looking at? Who are the people who's in the media? Like Anton Krupitschka or some, and that's not to take away from sure. Anton at all. Uh, yeah, he's a good looking dude. He's a good looking dude, you know? And, you know, it's it's that sort of like, I like the same things as his. I Do I feel pressure to be like him? Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But now there's all sorts of people yeah. going through. Courtney DeWalter and. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know yeah. if you have been following it, but. A fellow Innovate teammate of mine just um, did the historic double Patty Buckley round. Nikki Spinks. Nikki, Nikki Spinks. Spinks. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that on our run on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. She, she just finished, I think. She's literally just finished, right. Yeah. Last few hours. Yeah. Um, and she's... She's amazing. Yeah. Breast cancer survivor. And yeah. Had the pleasure of uh, meeting her out when I went to... Um, Manchester to do a, a there was a release of the graphene um the G series shoes and um yeah yeah you you would never think it she's very soft spoken and yeah usually uh, people who do that sort of stuff like Courtney's a little higher strung I feel sure talking yeah. to her she's just I'm like Courtney you got to be careful you're doing a lot of miles she's like yeah I'll be all right don't worry <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but she's sort of the opposite really calm and and again, it doesn't, I, I don't think it should matter what, what your appearance is or, um, yeah. your, your, how you act. It's, she obviously can tolerate pain. She, yeah. she she's resilient and yeah, that, that's the nice thing about running, especially trail running is resilience goes a long way. Mm. You don't, you don't need to be cocky like a road runner, not to say road runners are all cocky but 
No. There's, there, there's more ego in road running than there is <laughs> So, man, look, this has been an incredible conversation, and I feel so uh, like, privileged that we've got to 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 catch up. We've taken up far too much of your time, and we get we have one last question that we ask everyone on um, on on Dirt Church Radio, and that is, hey, Peter, what's been your greatest run ever? Greatest run ever. Yeah, it doesn't have to be something you've won or right. Just what you know. Is there a run that in your history that kind of really sticks in your mind? Sticks in your mind as being the greatest run you ever had. Well, I would say it's probably my first mountain race ever. That it was um, when I was in college. My uh, college coach took us took the group. This was before school started, before the season, cross country season started. And he said, we're going to do a training run up Mount Baldy. And Mount Baldy is a, is a peak in the San Bernardino mountain range in right outside of LA. 10,064 feet is the peak. And wow. um, it's, it's very bald on top. So I think that's where it gets its name. The official name is Mount San Antonio. But we we went out there as a cross country team did not know what to expect and i was not the first runner on my team i had some really talented and fast teammates i finished first that day i believe i finished 6th overall in the race and like that 5k i did it was the hardest thing i'd done in my life that first 5k I ever did and i was hooked i thought i, I think it was very difficult. And when I finished, I said, I'm never doing that again. But then <laughs> the competitiveness, the competitive juices were flowing. I thought, whoa, I just beat Stu and Lou Dog and all those, you know, all my really fast teammates that, that uh, are usually in front of me. And again, that's just um, strengthened my, my love or my niche of running uphill in particular. So Mount Baldy run to the top. It's called. It's um, on Labor Day every year. Seven seven ish miles, gain about four thousand feet, and um, man, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's no joke. Yeah. So uh, again, like if if you have you guys have children, but it's like saying which is your favorite child, right? You shouldn't. Yeah. Say that, even if you no. Even if you know. You love them all. You, think it. <laughs> you love them all differently. I've got a bonus question. Sorry, I'm going to sneak it in here. Sorry, right. Eugene. Hey, Peter, what's your greatest beer ever? Ooh. I have to know. That goes back to what's your favorite child ever. What's, what's your greatest beer right now? Right now. So uh, there's a uh, brewery here in Colorado called Weldworks, and I just had it last night. It's uh, a milkshake session IPA. And right. it has three or four variety of hops. It four point seven percent blew my mind. I had it, I had it a year ago for the first time, and I had another one last night because I had a can in the fridge. And yeah, that that's it. It's called Fake Box. Fake Box. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a a play on like a. I don't know if it's Zelda or Nintendo, like if you get a box, but there's nothing in it um, because there's some some um, video game references on the label. But right. again, and that, that's why 
I sound passionate about beer, but I think I'm passionate just about things being done really well. Yeah, yeah. It's not just the beer. It's like I I appreciate how you put those hops together and you know, the quality of the taste. There's some beer that I try and like, I don't want to drink beer right now because this is not doing it for my palate. So I I just appreciate really good stuff, whatever it may be, whether that's writing or um, races or um, just really interesting people. That I'm really into that. That that um, makes me happy. Sounds like a good well, way man. to live. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, thank been you a guys. Broad, I, I wide-ranging you. conversation, which is just perfect. We yeah. love those kind of chats. So thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, I remember I was I was here when you guys were talking to Zach, and he said he was going to be on a podcast, and then then I heard him say, "Oh yeah, I'm at Peter's house right now." Uh oh, <laughs> throw me under the bus. That's too right. Yeah, man. Gonna... Cheers very much, eh? All right, yeah. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. I thought one of the best things about this, uh, our talk with Peter, I mean, there were several amazing things about it, was that highlight on diversity and that highlight on pushing greater access for yeah. the sport that we love. Yeah. But without actually saying, and, and, and in a respectful manner, so me and you lining up on the start line with people who don't look like us doesn't relinquish any power that we have or anything. No, of course not. And um, it's interesting times. We all know it is. It's, it's interesting times. And I thought that that was, it, it would be really great if we could get to a place, not getting all lofty and grand, where we could have political discourse with people who agreed with us or didn't agree with us in a respectful and engaging manner. Yeah. And I can't wait for those. I hope we go back to that. I we hope that, pen- that pendulum swings back. And just on the on the running point, we just need to share the love, man. Yeah, share absolutely. Yeah, we're, this is thing that we all love. Um, and, and it's really great. It's great and good for you. Yeah. And um, the more people who can get involved, the better. Yeah. Hey, thanks, right. Peter. That was amazing. And mm. I hope to come drink beer with you you can come drink beer with us it'd be fantastic yeah given those trials the world's best he claims the world's best trials mm, it's, a big, it's a big call but big I mean, call but judging hey, by the photo he sent me mm. <laughs> it might be they're right not bad they're not bad hey so thank you for tuning in thank everyone. you yeah really appreciate it and we'll be back next week with another interesting conversation with an interesting runner we're on social media at Dirt Church Radio you can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or our website dirtchurchradio.com and we have all the greatest runs ever. They they get put up by Eugene. Mm. That's fantastic. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. And you can download it direct from the website at dirtchurchradio.com. I said that already, but there we go. More also, clear. if we're not mm. where you want us to be, let us know. Always, you know, write in. Yeah. We love talking to people. Come say hi. Yep. You know, we're like high five friendly. Idea of yeah. The ringtone. Yeah, if you want us to do the ringtone, we'll do it. Um, we should just do it. Anyway. Let's just do it. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us. And also, if you like what you see, you know, please spread the love. It would be great as if many people saw what was happening here as possible. Because I actually think we've, we've got a really great community behind us and with us. And we love it. So let's keep on. Mm. Thank you to Peter. Yeah. Thank you to our partners, Ultra Aspire, Further Faster and Sealy. Thanks to our editor, Karen. And we've got a really, yeah, we've got a succession of great guests lined up for you in the coming weeks. So tune in then. This episode perhaps was a little bit heavy in places, but then again, so is life. But it's beautiful. Mm. Kakite. Kakite. Ah!
Thanks, Rigby.